thank you for what you've been doing in this place already, for the vulnerability that you've brought to us and the reminder that you are in control over everything in our lives and you are here before worship music and you'll be here after. And I just thank you that your presence is so real in this place and I just ask you to, right now to um, take these words from a humble man and, and help them to speak into the hearts of those that are gathered here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I just also want to acknowledge this week was NAIDOC week, uh, a week when we celebrate with our Indigenous population and uh, just want to acknowledge that I, I am standing on Ghana country and uh, I acknowledge that. I'm going to use a clicker. So here we go. I feel like Steve Bourne up here complaining about technology, but I'm not quite that old. Um, so so um, this, is the, this is the text uh, that we're going to be using in this next series about seeking God. This is um, the text we're using. So it, it's from Matthew 6.33, and I do love this version in the Amplified. It says, but first and most importantly, seek, aim at, strive after his kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing and being right, the attitude and character of God, and all these things will be given to you also. When I first read this, I, I immediately was drawn to that phrase where it says, his righteousness, the attitude and character of God. Because for me, I seek God in different ways, and I think we all do. But the one thing that I want to be is I want to reflect the character of God. And so today I want to talk a bit about God's character and how we can reflect God's character in our, in our world and what it means to reflect God's character. And when I think of God's character, I think of what we know God to be. The things that come to mind for me are the God of peace, God of justice, God is truth, God is dot, dot, dot. There's so many things that our God is. But the thing that I think overarches them all and the thing that I relate to the most is God is love. Because I think if you break down everything about who God is, God is ultimately love. And as we shared around communion, that it was an expression of God's love. And so in 1 John 4... Verse 8, it says, The one who does not love has not become acquainted with God. So when we think about seeking God, we think about how can we reflect His character. This scripture is talking about that. The one who's, who does not love has not become acquainted with God. Does not and never did know Him, for God is love. He is the originator of love, and it is in, an enduring attribute of His nature. 1 John 4, 16 says, We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in His love. For God is love, and all, all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And so we live in, love, in God, and our love grows more perfect. Each of us that believe in Him lives out our faith, our belief in God, the characteristics of God, I guess, in Christ differently. For me... I'm a very practical man. I, I, I don't find it easy to 
focus and to sit and to be reverent like we did today. I don't find it easy to uh, bring great words of prayer to him. But what I do do, I've worked in for the Salvation Army for almost 20 years now. So I work in social justice. So for me, the way that I connect to God's character is just through that, through justice, through serving, through ministering to the most vulnerable in our community. Others of us, like I've mentioned, might, might have great gifts of prayer on their life. And they may seek God's character in that way. Others of us have great gifts of worship, like Larissa led us so beautifully today. And that connects them to God's character. But today I'm going to focus on how I do stuff and hope that you guys can learn a little bit about God's character through that. Because as we know in 1 Corinthians 12, we find the verses that describe us, the body of Christ, as one body with different parts. And how beautiful it is when all of that comes together. So as I share about my gifts of justice and, and uh, compassion towards those who are vulnerable, I pray that it will connect with your gifts that God has given you. And as one body, we may greater reflect the character of God. Working for the Salvation Army, this is a statement made by General William Booth, who was the founder of the Salvation Army. And a great man, not only of practical works, but a great charismatic, Holy Spirit-believing Christian. And it says this, and I want you to catch the, the meaning of this, is that it's not just only the act, but he talks about the saving of souls too. While women weep as they do now, I'll fight. While little children go hungry as they do now, I'll fight. While men go to prison, in and out, in and out as they do now, I'll fight. While there's one drunkard left, while there's a poor girl lost upon the streets, while there remains one dark soul without the light of God, I'll fight, I'll fight to the end. This was written back in the early 1900s by a man in England, but I think it does relate to what we experience in our community right now. We see so much injustice, but we also acknowledge that we're not just about administering justice or compassion. We're about saving that one dark soul. We're about transforming lives because justice, love and compassion without transformation is not really worth it. We must continue to strive towards transforming power that God only holds because he is the one that can shape and change us. As I move on today, I, I just want to examine for a moment and learn from the story of the Good Samaritan. For this is where God led me today. And so I'm just going to read together the parable of the Good Samaritan. It's a really well-known parable and I hope that we can examine it and learn from it today.
So the preempting to this text is that a man was asking, an educated man in the, was asking Jesus, what, how do we love each other? Who is my neighbor? And so Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he encountered robbers who stripped him of his clothes. And to remember, oh no, my hear my notes go. Where are we? Who stripped him of his clothes and belongings, beat him and went their way unconcerned, leaving him half dead. Now by coincidence, a priest was going down that road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite also came down to the place and saw him and passed by the other side of the road. But a Samaritan, a foreigner who was travelling, came upon him and when he saw him he was deeply moved with compassion for him and went to him and bandaged up his wounds pouring oil and wine on them to soothe and disinfect the injuries and he put him on his own pack animal on his donkey and he brought him to an inn and took care of him on the next day he took out two denarii which was two days wages and gave them to the innkeeper and said take care of him and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I return. Then Jesus said to the man, Which of these three things do you think proved himself a neighbor to the man who encountered the robbers? And he answered, The one who showed compassion and mercy to him. Let me get my notes back in order. Because I don't know where I am. That's what happens. There we are. It's... He answered, the one who showed compassion and mercy to him. In another translation, and then he said, go. He said, go and constantly do the same. It says in the Amplified. I love that, that it says, go and constantly do the same. It's about a lifestyle. It's about an action. So what can this parable teach us? Uh, it's important to remember that when Jesus taught with parables, he used story to relate to, to the time. He used story of the culture of the place, of the specific time and place, and was speaking into the Jewish culture and tradition. And uh, it's interesting as you, as you go through the book of Luke, I like to call the book of Luke I've just named it last night. I named it the Book of Outcasts because it is a book. Uh, Luke's chapter to us is a, his book to us is the story that contains stories about lepers. On the other hand, it, it, it teaches us stories about tax collectors. It's where we find the story of the lost son or the prodigal son who made poor choices and chose to spend all his inheritance. And it contains stories of prostitutes. And in this story of the Good Samaritan, we see three encounters with the injured man. The first one we see is from the priest, the pastor, the man of God, the Holy One. But what we need to remember in this story is that in that time for a priest to touch a dead body or someone with significant injury, he would become unclean. So we can kind of see why he would have skirted around the man. Because to touch someone who was unclean 
would mean that he was unable to go back to the temple and do his work. He essentially would have lost his livelihood. He would have lost his income. He would have lost his reputation. And I'm sure living in those times, his, he would have been an outcast. He would, he would have lost his family and had significant impact on his life. So he passed him by, of course. Then we see the Levite, who was a church attendant. He was a church volunteer. He was often at the temple cleaning and setting out chairs and doing all the good church things. But he also passed him by. Then we have the Samaritan. And this is the one that Jesus would later identify as his neighbor. And he stops and attends to the injured man. You know, it, it's, it's interesting that I always come back to these Samaritans and I think it's part of who I am and my, my nature for those who are marginalised and, and on the outskirts of society. Because in the days of Jewish times and the days of Jesus, the Samaritans were... They were despised. It says in the scriptures they were despised. Um, and that moves me greatly that a man who we can call King Jesus would himself interact with these people. And it moves me greatly that our society often has those that are outcasts and those that we don't find it so easy to interact with. So who was this neighbour? Who was this man? The Samaritan. What, can, what lessons can we learn from the way that the good Samaritan acted in this situation? In doing research, I've found that there's three descriptions of this neighbour. And I do have them here. The first one was that he was perceptive. So this morning as we look at this, let's think about how we can be more like the good neighbour, the good Samaritan. He was perceptive. He saw the issue. While others might have just acknowledged it but walked on by, the good neighbour saw the issue. He identified the problem and responded in a way that he was able to. And it would be my prayer that God would help us to open our eyes to the people around us. And like I've shared before from this pulpit, that God would give us new lenses, new ways of seeing that reflect how Christ wants us to see this world. The next, the next thing that the neighbour did was he acted with compassion. Benito's not here today. But he shared around Mother's Day about being kind-heartedness, but he also talked about compassion. And I did find the Greek word, but it's really hard to say. It's one of those, it's got that expecting thing in it. But what it means is it means that um, 
compassion in the Greek means to be moved in the gut. I think it might be. It's just my, it's my thinking that that might be where we get that, that phrase, the gut feel. You know, it's, it's a feeling in the gut. It's a movement. I think it even says a movement in the bowels, doesn't it? It talks about, it talks about being, being compassion, having, having this burning feeling in our guts. And this man who was seen as an outcast, who was seen as the bad guy in society, was moved with compassion. He was moved with action for someone that he saw lying on the road. And I guess the question that I would pose is, how would I want to be treated? If we talk about reflecting God's character to each other and to the marginalised and to those that gather in this place, how would we want to be treated? If we found ourselves beaten and bloodied on the side of the road, how would we want to be treated? And the next thing that the neighbour was, was he was selfless. He was willing to be inconvenienced. And last week, Pastor Ben shared around this. He shared that seeking God costs us something. And so this neighbour was willing to be inconvenienced. Can you imagine you're on a journey and all of a sudden you've got to load this guy on your donkey and take him to the inn? He patched him up. He took time to attend to him. He didn't just see the, the surface level. He didn't just see a man there, but he took time to intend to him. He took time to invest in him. He took time to consider the man. And he was inconvenienced. He travelled with this guy. So not only did he have an interaction for a moment, he had an interaction for a moment, patched the guy's wounds, put him on the donkey, and would have walked the donkey while this man is on there. He journeyed with the man. He journeyed with him. He invested time. We also see that he invested financially. The scripture says it was two days wages and probably more. He put the man up in the inn and said, if, if he is here longer than I'm expecting, then I'm willing to pay the bill. He sacrificed How can we be good neighbours? How can we be God in places of the outcast? How do we love our community? It's very easy for us to relate this story to those that are outside these walls, but also how can we love each other? How can we be inconvenienced for each other? Who is the outcast? Who is those in our society that we see as different? How are our views shaped around those that live on, amongst us? Do we get our opinions from social media or from the television? Do we, I know that it's often how we grow up, you know, we grow up and, and our, our mothers and our fathers our grandparents teach us 
about society and about culture? Do we have the courage to challenge that? To look at those that are outcast in our society and, and to, to challenge that? Who shapes our culture? Have we as the church become too comfortable? When was the last time we stretched our thinking around people who are different to us? And honestly, that's, for me, I can sit in an office with a, a refugee, I can sit in the office with someone who's been released from prison, I can sit in the office with an Indigenous Aboriginal person. And I do that comfortably. But for me to come to this place and sit with someone who's older than me or someone who I don't think I have anything in common with is, is difficult. So I'm not just talking about how we deal with the outcast today. Because it is very label, easy to label that. But how do we interact and love each other as God loves us? 1 John 3.16 says, This is how we know what love is. That Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. That Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. It's important to remember that. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with action and in truth. My dear children, let's not just talk about love. Let's practice real love. This is the only way we'll know we're living truly, living in God's reality. It's also the only way to shut down debilitating self-criticism this is from the message version and I like that it's also the way to shut down those voices in our heads those self-critiques even when there is something to it for God is greater than our worried hearts God is greater than our fear we talked we sang a lot about that this morning Fear can go to hell, for God is greater than our worried hearts and knows more about us than we do ourselves. In closing, it's if we seek God, if this whole series is about seeking God, I believe He's challenging us even more to live in His character. When I was preparing this message, I was challenged about how I seek God. But then God reminded me that we're all unique and we're all different. And that ultimately seeking God is about living in his character. God, I want you more than anything in my life. God, I want you to be present in my life and to shape how I live every day. 
because seeking God isn't just me in my bedroom saying my prayers or me in this place worshipping God and singing great songs. Seeking God is letting his character, letting his righteousness shape us in our everyday. Why don't we pray? You know, as we pray, I just would invite you to ask yourself those questions. God, how do I reflect your character? I identify as a follower of you. I acknowledge you as God in my life, as Lord over my life. But how do I reflect your character in my everyday Is there places and spaces in my life where I don't always do that? Where I find it difficult to love as you love? So God, we just ask you right now for your wisdom and your peace to come and to speak to us in this place just ask you as this word challenges us and seeks us to action, to move in action that you will motivate us that we won't act out of a desire for greatness or a desire for people to look at us and say look at that man but as the story reminds us that the most humble despised man can love so help us to love like he did. Help us to show compassion. Help us to invest our time. And help us ultimately to love like you did. In Jesus' name, amen.